Hey guys, Brody Swisher here. Welcome back to the Hunting Roots Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks over at OnX. Hey, this week we are continuing in our first and worst turkey series stories from the legends, the turkey hunting legends that have come before us, that have paved the way for us, and just some great stories from some of the guys that have been doing a long time. And this week we've got none other than Harold Knight from the old school brand, Night and Hell Game Calls, man. I followed this guy religiously. I love the stuff. It was one of my top three videos I'd pick up every year. I had a handful that I would not miss. And the Night and Hell Ultimate Spring videos were in that collection every spring. I loved it, man. What an awesome dude. Full of stories. We're going to hear all kind of stuff. We're going to probably have to break this one down into two parts because it's packed full. We'll talk about the first, the worst. We're we'll talking calls, tips, tactics, all kind of stuff. From the legendary Harold Knight. The dude is awesome, and we've got him right here. Let's get it on. Let's get rolling, boys. Remy, Aiden, welcome back to the podcast. This is going to be a big time, boys. You know why? Because we are sitting with a true legend this morning. And I know you guys probably don't understand that, um, but we've got Mr. Harold Knight right here with us, and uh, I should say with us, we're with him, and uh, he was gracious enough to invite us up just across the big pond, and we are excited about it. So, Mr. Harold, thank you so much for the oh, chance to hang out with you this morning. It's a pleasure, and i tell you what, I like uh, you bringing these boys. Absolutely. I could look at them and tell that they're fired up wanting to go hunting. They are. They are. They seem to be always ready, chomping at the bit. We've been trapping this morning a little bit here at the house at our place before we come up, and me and Remy had a possum in the trap, and uh, it was pretty pretty slim this morning, but a possum will work too. They seem to be pretty rough on the eggs and, and on the nest, and so we did our fair share. But, boys, I will tell you, Mr. Harold is one that I have been watching. It's, it's kind of crazy. Like I said, you guys don't know, hadn't followed his journey like I have, but uh, really from the time I was y'all's age, um, well, before your age, between y'all's age, I guess, but I don't remember, I started watching your stuff Back in the day, man, and, and so it's an honor to be with you this morning and, and just to, again, have my a couple of my boys up here to, to tag along and, and just to get to experience it, a moment with you and, and uh, just to catch up, man. And I, I've, like I said, we've we've been following the Night and Hell journey for a long time, and that's really it was a lot of encouragement, you know, to me as a, as a child. And so I just wanted to come up here and, and once again hear your story and, and just spend a little time with you this morning and hear the backstory. On Harold Knight and the whole the whole deal. Well, I, I appreciate you coming up, and uh, we've had the opportunity to tell this story several times. Seems like uh, older we get, yeah. people trying to get us before we kick the bucket. Oh, and uh, but anyway, it's always good to talk about hunting, yeah. and it's and uh, it brings back a lot of memories when I start talking about some of these things. Yeah. And one of them I was thinking a while ago. The first person to ever buy a call for me mm. commercially was Bill Dyer out of Paris, Tennessee. I'll be dog. And I knew Bill and Jerry Richardson. Yeah. And uh, I'd go in there and I, I'd see uh, when Hank Williams, just he was young. Yeah. And Hank would be in there. And and uh, I've known Hank over the years. And Hank was gracious enough to come down and do a video yeah. with us and everything. And, but, uh, Old Bill Dyer was, and Jerry Richardson, buddy, they were true outdoorsmen. Mm. Yeah. They really, they they was ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. And you sold calls to their shop. 
you say was your first? That was they Bill Dye was the first person to ever buy a call from first me commercially. Customers. And that was it. Was that was that Uncle Lee's? Was that the store? That's Uncle time? Lee's there in Paris. See, that's crazy. That's uh, what year was that? You remember it roughly? Gosh, almighty, uh, it had to be uh, probably nineteen seventy three, something okay. like that. Okay. Well, you, you say that, and it's that just that alone brings some crazy memories back for me because it was a nineteen eighty eight. That uh that I was I was 11 years old and I was gonna go on my first Tennessee youth deer hunt. I'd got invited to go with some guys from church. I'd never been deer hunting, always wanted to, dreamed of it, looked forward to it, and finally had an invite for some guys at church. And we went out that night. My dad was working on the road. We were times were tough then. I remember my dad was working a job just on the road to just kind of keep it all together. And uh, it was tough that year, so he was out of town working. And I remember my mom taking me and my brother to Uncle Lee's. We said they told us, "Hey, we're going to deer hunt tomorrow morning on the Saturday for the youth hunt, 1988." That was November 5th, and so that night before, November 4th, my mom takes us to Uncle Lee's and and bought us a little coverall jumpsuit, coveralls, and that old brown camo. And I had a pair of boots. She bought me some boots, and they were just old. I think they were probably just little farm boots, wasn't a bit of insulation, and my my feet froze that morning, <laughs> but uh. That was the night before at Uncle Lee's, and um, and and so that store always had some great memories from, just from that first experience. Buying my first gear, bought us an old orange vest. I think it was like a bird hunting vest, but man, I had all my stuff. So that was my first hunt was outfitted with gear from Uncle Lee's, and then I'll be dang if that thing didn't burn down right after right after that weekend. You know, ain't that funny how you remember that first hunt and, oh, and all the details that goes with it. Yep. Uh, I've yep. got some first hunts that I share with you today. And, you know, I started turkey hunting and at a very early age. And yep. I, 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 the first turkey hunt was held in the state of Kentucky. It was 1960. Really? And it was, I never will forget it. It's just like the hunt you said. It wasn't in camouflage, Joe. I remember uh-huh. it just like it was yesterday. Uh, no camouflage. If it was, somebody might have some World War Two. Mm-hmm. camouflage on or something like that. Right, army stuff, yeah. But, uh, we all would uh, congregate at the check station in the land between the lakes now. It was uh, it was uh, the old Kentucky Woodland National Wildlife Refuge then. Okay. And that refuge was moved when Lake Barkley came in to Cross Creek, Tennessee. Mm. And uh, it matter of fact, it left Kentucky Without a national wildlife refuge, the only state in the United States that didn't have one. Wow. So I really hate to see that, but yeah. but uh, I've enjoyed Cross Creek, too. I just moved yeah. that on for waterfowl and things. That's right. But uh, I can remember that hunt. It was, it was uh, people would check in and then take off. Yeah. And... Uh, I, I, did, I wasn't old enough to drive. I, I, I think I just turned 16. Mm. I had. Yeah. Because uh, the, the hunt was in April. My birthday's in April. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I, uh, my neighbor was an experienced turkey hunter, even though this was his first season. Some of them old timers over there had hunted turkeys. They'd been in the land between the lakes ever since man, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they, they knew how to hunt, and I'd pick the brain. I say, let me just use your call and see if I can get up with it. And, yeah. And you know, it wasn't many turkey calls back in those days. Right. I, I mean, it wasn't many at all. You had the most popular call back in those days was a box call and the old Gibson mm. box call, which not many people could even afford. Yeah. 
And uh, I had a little call that a man made me out of a piece of cedar and and put a little chalk on it and you scratch it. And yeah. I can make a dis- decent uh, hen yip with it. Right. And I killed a turkey that first year uh, in that hunt. And I was 16 years old. And everybody that killed a turkey, it was 12 turkeys killed, is dead except me. And the reason I'm still alive because I was so much younger than they were. Yeah. And yeah. but uh, I tell you what, that bug bit me. Yeah. Turkey hunting. Yeah. And I've, I've turkey hunted. Uh, I don't uh, every year, lots of days. You know, I, I don't know how many years in a row if you'd put it together. I've turkey hunted. Mm. But uh, I've had the opportunity to see a lot of turkeys shot. Yeah. A lot of them by people I took. Just like last year, I think I saw twenty turkeys shot. And I didn't shoot many turkeys. I don't shoot many. I get to see people That's right. shoot the first turkey. Yep. And yep. I saw three people last year shoot the first turkey, and one of them was a grandkid of mine. Oh, my goodness. Uh, two of them were grandkids yeah. killed the first turkey. That's awesome. And it, one of them was a, my granddaughter, the only granddaughter I got, and one of them was a seven-year-old grandboy, great-grandboy. Mm. Oh, and wow. I tell you what, that was as much fun as any time I've ever turkey hunted. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, you do remember those first hunts, like you was talking about. Your Absolutely. first deer hunt, uh, the excitement going to Uncle Lee's. Wasn't that something back in them days oh, to man. get to go to a store like Uncle Lee's? Yeah, man, it had everything. Yeah. It yeah. had everything. And, I mean, yeah. you just you walked in there, and I was a kid in a candy store, man, and there was just stuff all over. Yep. That was kind of what we want to hear, some of those first turkey stories. And then one of those crazy encounters, maybe those – uh, train wreck, near-death experience, what maybe your worst day in the turkey woods. And uh, I know we like to say there's never a bad day, but, you know, you've had, I'm sure, some of those hunts that you uh, would look back and wish you maybe just hadn't even got out of bed that day, and it was just one of those crazy experiences. But your first one, again, 16 years of age, was your first turkey kill. Is that right? That's, that, that was my first turkey hunt that I wanted. I had went back to my house. I lived and here listen to turkeys and call to them and do things and fool with them, but. I uh, never got to really, really, you know, uh, getting uh, hunting that much. I did hunt some, but, you know, people over in them days, they, they uh, had territories yeah. before we ever had a season. Yeah. And some of them old-timers, you didn't get in their territory, even though they didn't own it. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was just a rule of thumb. You stayed out of that piece of ground. But I did have some of them old men would take me and show me, and it taught me a lot uh and that, I had a little experience on that first turkey hunt. But I tell you what, after I look back, I didn't know nothing. Yeah. You know, after watching, I've probably watched 1,500 turkeys shot in my life. Yep. And after going through all these hunts all over the United States and uh, and hunting 60, 65 days a year, yeah. uh, I see that I didn't know anything. Yep. And I tell you what. They humble me every year right now. I was going to say, you're still learning. I yes, sir. You learn every, year. Yeah. every year. I tell you what, uh, somebody will ask me, you don't know, think that I never mess up. Man, I mess up. Oh, my gosh. I still mess up and do stupid things, yeah. and but not as many as I used to do. That's right. But uh, That's right. If, if I had some advice, if I was going to give uh, young hunters or beginner hunters. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of beginner hunters in Tennessee and Kentucky and some of these states is 50, 60 years old. That's your first hunt. That's right. Yep. What I'd tell them, you know, 
I always tell these young kids, I said, any time I see a young boy that's a good squirrel hunter, mm. I'm going to show you somebody can be a good turkey hunter. Yeah. And he learns to, to read sign. He learns to shoot his gun. He learns to slip around. He learns to pick up movement. And he, yeah. he just learns how to maneuver around in the woods. Yeah. And, it, and a good turkey uh, hunter most of the time, his squirrel hunting, I guarantee you. Learn those skills. Yes, yep. sir. At a young age like that. And another thing, if if I was going to tell somebody something to really do, learn all he could about a wild turkey. Mm. Not just in the spring of the year, yeah. but all through the year. How many days he sits on that nest? Yeah. He'll sit on that nest 28 days most of the time. When do they start setting? What transition is a turkey in? Learn to know what transition that turkey's in because he's so much easier to hunt if you know what transition he's in. When I mean transition, what uh, stage of the season. You know, the first of the season, you can get by with calling all you want just about. But when he gets progresses right down to the end of the season, my calling is at a minimum. I mean, I very seldom call very loud at all. Yeah. Just a real little soft call like. Yeah. Something like that, you know. Yep. And that, and I tell you what, you learn that over by hunting them and knowing what transition in. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, a lot uh, of guys, a lot of guys will just go, they, they going and blowing and just hammering on that call. And, you know, you, you do hear that a lot maybe early season. You hear a lot of, you know, vocalizations that fly down. Yeah. But up in the day, you're not hearing you're not hearing hens just go crazy, you know, unless you, get, unless you get spooked, blown up, something. Otherwise, those birds are pretty soft yeah. and subtle. Yeah, I've got a lot of things that I've learned over the years. One thing is that uh, when I hear a turkey gobble and I'm going to him, a lot of times I don't call that turkey while he's on the roost. Yep. Because if you call that turkey, a lot of times he's on the roost. He's wanting to see that hen before he flies down. He'll sit up there and gobble for an hour and a half. Yep. I know a guy come by when we had night and hell over here, and they, all the hunters come by. I said, well, did you hear anything this morning? I, numerous times people said, well, I worked one for two hours this morning. <laughs> I I said, no, he worked you two hours. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, yeah. you know, and – you know things like that, and yeah. you got to learn when to call, not to call, yeah. and that's that's very important. Yeah. Well, you you said it years ago, and I've remembered it ever since. But tell me again how God created that gobbler. When he gobbles, what's what's supposed to take place? What by nature? What's supposed to happen? He gobbles. You got hens calling, but how did God create these birds? And and his gobble elicits what kind of response? What's supposed to happen by that? You know, God had a perfect plan for everything, and he certainly did for the wild turkey. You know, he made a wild turkey gobbler's head red, white, and blue, and he had all that iridescent color where it's just beautiful. He had that hen a little dull color, and and he had a plan for that because she was going to have to sit on that nest 28 days. He even had a hen smell where it wasn't as prevalent in the when she's sitting as it was other times a year wow. and she's sitting there and something couldn't smell her and certainly couldn't see her. They, they camouflage right mm-hmm. on the ground. They might be in a little brush pile. It might be up next to a tree, but anyway, they hard to see. And that's the way nature yep. has made. Yep. And uh, as I said, God had a 
perfect plan for everything. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no, that's good. I, and I never even thought about that aspect of that's huge. I mean, like you said, God knew what he was doing. And, and even just to the whole, you know, aspect of that gobbler, you know, he, he gobbles and, and he's waiting on, I know you said years ago, he, he's waiting on that, that hen to come to him, you know, Absolutely. he, he sat down there and gobbles and, and, you know, he's waiting on that one. And I, I'll never forget a seminar back. I was in high school probably. I remember hearing you talk about that and saying that, like you just kind of uh, alluded to us a moment ago, that bird's gobbling, and, and we we want to hear that gobble, right? We, Absolutely. So we're, we're popping on off every call thinking, oh, he's gobbling. I got him tore up. But I remember you saying, no, he's gobbling, and, and he's hearing you call and doing all the calling and all the ruckus you're doing. And, and that gobbler's out there thinking, oh, she's excited. She's coming. You think he's gobbling. He's coming, and nobody's coming to anybody. That, that's you know? a – Pretty good scenario there, I'm telling you, yep. what you just said. That, that happened so many times. Yep. Uh, you know, what I like to do a lot of times in hunting, if I've got a turkey and he's gobbling good, he's already on the ground, and uh, instead of me just keep calling, a lot of times I like to just shut up yep. and play hard to get. Yep. And if I could throw my voice behind me 50 to 100 yards, that'd be perfect. Yep. Make him think I'm further away, and you know, naturally he's going to start coming in looking, you know, closer. Yep. But I've done, I've turned my head lots of times with a mouth call, and give a little poot, 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 you know, mm-hmm. and make him think I'm further away. Yeah. Next thing I know, I see an old white and red head walking, looking. Yep. He's looking for that hen. Yep. But, yep. you know, it's the nature of the hen to go to the gobbler. Yeah. Right. But that don't mean a gobbler won't come to you, mm-hmm. because especially if he's got uh, other gobblers around competition, you know. Right. And uh, but most of the time, that old hen. When you see a hen uh, start yipping in the woods, and I've uh, many a time heard one answer a gobbler. Oh my gosh! I said that's it, boy. He'll go to. Her, I mean, they'll go to each other and forget about you. That's right. I mean, they just know. You know that live turkey sound. Yep. And uh, it, I've had them to mess me up many a time. What's your What's your go to? I had someone ask me the other day at a seminar, and I said, "Hey, what's you got a gobbler with with hens, and and she's hinned up? That's one of your toughest times, and it is in early season um, when when he's hinned up. And and what do you do? And and I started talking about just you know, trying to appeal and instead of trying to call the gobbler, you got to get that hen's attention. But what's your go to strategy when a Gobbler's hinned up, and, and he don't seem to be interested. Maybe she don't seem to be interested. What are you going to do then? That is a tough situation. That's the toughest. Yep. You know, when he's got hens, he's uh, now he wants more hens, yep. and he'll answer you. And But uh, sometimes I've given the fighting call, yeah. uh, the fighting per call, yep. I call it, and I've had him to, to come to that because everything comes to a fight. They love right. it. Now, they won't work every time, sure. but it, sometimes it will. Yep. And I've, I've I'd put a little goblin in with it and fighting, you know, and, and I've had them to come to me there. But it's tough when they got hens. I don't care if you was a live turkey hen and called as good as a live turkey hen can, you still can't call a gobbler away from a, yep. a live hen many yep. times. Yep. It's just a tough situation. A lot of times... I like to set up the way the turkeys are moving. In other words, if you'll if you'll look and just pick up their movement, which way they're moving, and then try to position yourself without any calling, yeah. it's bushwhacking. That's right. But buddy, uh, some of them old gobblers is just about the only way you're gonna kill them. That's right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 
getting where they want to be instead of trying to get them back to you. And that's a lot of times, you know, some people say, I want to call them to me. I want to have them come to the call. And, and we all do, right? We all love to call and have him come gobbling his head off, come in there. But, man, I mean, there's a lot of days where that's not happening. Oh, you know? You're so it's right. Like, and so many people will get on a ridge, and it'll be a ridge road there. Yeah. Oh, man, I know he's going to walk around that ridge road. That old gobbler will be gobbling. Next thing you know, you hear him. Mm-hmm. He'd be to your left or right. He comes around that ridge. He don't walk right down that ridge road. Yeah. He wants to be a... A, a sort of element of surprise to you, you know. He wants to surprise that hen, see what's there. He, right. he don't walk around that ridge road. Just like that old whitetail buck. I mean, absolutely. Think about he's going to, you watch him, he's going to skirt around something. Now, the difference between a deer and a turkey, you know, a, a big old buck, he loves to stay in that thicket. Yeah. And that turkey gobbler likes to get out there and see where he can see, you know, a hen and yeah. stuff. And, uh, that that's one of the biggest difference between deer hunting and turkey hunting. Yeah. I always remember old turkey wants to get out there where he can see. Yeah. You know, he's got ten times the eyesight we had. Oh gosh, yeah. And he can see. And uh and getting back to where I said started a while ago on knowing what a wild turkey would do and know everything you know about a wild turkey. Mm-hmm. I'm it's so important. I have studied them all year long. Yeah. Know where the, you know, why do they like to roost over water? You know, it's just simple. They because they they feel safer there, yep. and on predators. And why do they like to get around creeks and rivers? If you think about it, a creek and a river has got all kinds of stuff. You know, a turkey's diet is insects a lot. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's grain and acorns and things, mass. You know, things like that too. But they love to feed on on uh, insects. And you know, your rivers and creeks has lots of insects year round. If uh, in some states, you know, and that's they love to follow those creeks and rivers like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you always hear people say if you you've got the creeks, you've got the river, you have turkeys, you know, close by. You know, yeah. if they're if that's that habitat, and so that's a good word. Hey, let's take back uh, a minute, go back to history wise, just kind of talking about your hunting roots. I know we talked about that first turkey right back at sixteen, but how did you get started even? Well, tell me about how you got started hunting. I mean, is that in your your, your family background? I mean, what, what 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 did that look like? And what was the first first critter you ever pursued as a child? Well, you know, it was a hunting was in my family. You know, everybody, not only my family, the community. Yeah. I was born and raised in land between the lakes, yeah. and most everybody over there, you had a place to hunt. You didn't have to ask permission. You just went hunting, and uh, I had, I like to bird hunt, which we don't have any quail now. Yeah. In the state of Kentucky or Tennessee, hardly very few. And uh, I loved rabbit hunt, and I loved a squirrel hunt. Yeah. I never was a great big coon hunter, even though I did coon hunt some. Yeah. But but I, I, in the earlier days, I, I did deer hunt. You know, we had a deer seasons come in in the 50s in the state of Kentucky. I lived next to the old Kentucky woodland wildlife refuge and i did i'd go every year they had an archery hunt and i never will forget i tell people this fred bear was there i didn't know who fred bear was he was just a big old tall skinny guy to me but i was just a kid and he would give 
me an arrow too every year. Oh wow! And I'd shoot them at rabbits and squirrels. I'd like to have those arrows now. Oh, Ain't no gosh, telling yeah. what to be worth. Yeah. But uh, he came down to try to kill a fallow buck in land between the lakes. You know, they had released those back in the 30s or 20s or whatever. Yeah. And uh, he was there hunting, but they'd have an archery camp, and I'd, I loved to go to that archery camp. And uh, I'd have an old wooden hickory bow. Yeah. And uh, I'd watch these archers. I remember the first laminated bow. Mm. You think about that, how far I can remember back in archery. Yeah, man. And that was, when I say laminate, that was glass over, over wood. wood yeah. Then yeah. I can remember the first laminated recurve Bear Archery came out with. And then, behold, here's a guy shows up with a compound bow. And, uh, and it looked like a musical instrument to yeah, me. Yeah. You know, it's strings running everywhere. And he shot that thing, and I was so impressed with that. Yeah. But uh, I got started. I loved bow hunt, and uh, I got started bow hunting. And But I guess one of my favorite things as a kid growing up, one of my first hunts is squirrel hunting. Yeah. I loved squirrel hunt. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really loved that. Yeah. Well, that's just – I just did a story the other day. Uh, from Mossy Oak, and, and and it was just that. It was talking about the importance of a child's first squirrel hunt. And I just shared the story of, of my first hunt with my dad when I was eight years old, of squirrel hunting and just following behind him. And, and I, I mean, as I started telling the story and writing the story, I just remember all the little aspects of it. I remember trying to keep up with his footsteps going through the mud, and I remember my, my boots getting sucked down in the mud and just how quiet it was, you know, that morning before all the rest of the world woke up and, I vividly remember watching him ease his shotgun up, and and I, I remember thinking, man, come on, Dad, shoot you! You got your gun up on him. You got to shoot him. You got to shoot. He's gonna get away, you know. And I remember that squirrel coming down the tree, you know, just all of it, man. I was eight years old. I'm forty. I'll be forty six here in a couple of weeks, and I just that's never left me, and it changed my life. I know a lot of people think, oh, squirrel hunting changed your life. It did. It put something in me, and I, I'm here now, passing it on to my boys. You know, thirty five well, years later. One of the most memorable hunts in my life. I want my granddaddy squirrel hunting for the first time I ever went squirrel hunting. Mm. I had to be about six or seven years old. Yeah. And I can remember that squirrel running out there and getting a hickory nut and running there and sitting eating it yeah. and watched him shoot him. And I go pick him up. And I didn't know whether to pick that dude up or not. He was still alive. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, you know, but I can remember that seeing that squirrel run down that limb. Mm. It, and listen, I have been on thousands of hunts yeah. all over the United States. And I still remember that just like it's yesterday, that first squirrel hunt with my granddad. Change your life, man. And that's yeah. the same. I mean, you know, Remy here loves it. Aiden loves it. My other boy, we all we all enjoy going. And I, I know Remy, finally, I think it was, what, two years ago, Remy, you, you finally killed your first two? I think so. We he was with shotgun back behind the house, hickory tree, just dropping, you know, and they were up there cutting. And, I mean, there were four or five squirrels up there. And he'd, he'd been tagging along for several years. What would you, how would you, you'd be kind of the finisher, wouldn't you? Like, we'd shoot one out and they'd run down. What would you do? I would, like, uh, try to stomp on it, Ted. Well, you go chase it down. He'd have a <laughs> stick, you know, and it'd be running. Here goes Remy running through the woods trying to grab him with his foot or pop him with the stick and finish him off. And he tried to claim those for a couple of years as his first score. And I said, no, you're going to get one out of the tree with your own gun. And, and sure enough, two years, a couple of years ago, he shot two out. And those were his first two out of Hickory Tree. And then uh, this past year, we're out here on Kentucky Lake and uh, we boated in on some islands and, Got into some stuff, and those squirrels never even seen a person, I'm sure. And we were sitting there, and old squirrels just sit there and look at you, right, barking at you. And he said, Dad, I could, I could try your 22. And so I pulled my 22 off my back and gave it to him, and he put it up on a tree, and he headshot his first squirrel 22 this last year out on the island, Kentucky Lake. And so 
he, it, you know, it's built good. into him. Yeah, and he loves it. Aiden loves it. And I just – we're definitely seeing a revival of the squirrel hunting, you know, just the whole deal because people are realizing pound for pound you know, there's nothing that's exciting, man. And I'll tell you something else. A good young squirrel is hard to beat to oh, eat. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. But I got another hunt when I, when I was 11 years old, I got to tell you. Yeah. I, was, I loved a waterfowl hunt. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody to really show me – how and i'd I'd go them on yeah and i didn't have the shells and the guns and the calls you know back then i was 11 years old you know and but we had a lot of waterfowl yeah and my first goose ever killed i never will forget two of them lit out in the field Mm. they's too far to shoot i had a double barrel would shoot one barrel the other barrel wouldn't shoot oh no and so i said i'm gonna I'm going to ease out there, slip as close as I can, and get up and run to it. I did, and they flew, and I broke one's wing. <laughs> that, oh, my gosh. Can I remember that like it's just – I yeah. went and picked that and run him down. Yeah. Picked that goose up, and it had a band on him. Oh, no. It had a Jack Miners band. Dog. And it had a Bible verse on it. Really? It had Mark eleven twenty two. have faith in God. How about that? Man, I couldn't believe it. My granddaddy was Sunday school teacher. Yeah. And a school teacher and a postmaster. Mm. So we come home. I come home, and, I, of course, I was so excited over this band. And he said, well, we'll write Jack Minor, Keensville, Ontario, Canada. Mm. So we did. Got all the information back, and I was so excited. I read that thing, I bet you, 20 times oh, yeah. about how they done their missionary work through banning geese and ducks. That's crazy. Man. So yeah. make make his story really interesting. David and I were elected to the Hall of Fame of Tennessee, mm-hmm. and they was going to invite Jack Miner's grandkids mm-hmm. down to an event i went met him and i got to talking to him i expected to see some young people and they yeah. were older than i was I'm a dog. but anyway i got to talking to him about banding their uh their missionary work yeah. and they still doing it and i tell you what that was one of the most exciting hunts of my life you'll never forget something like that That's right. and i'll tell you this that was probably one of the things that uh Help me want to be a Christian. Yeah, is have have faith in God, and your know, faith is so important in our life and everything. That's right, and certainly is in our spiritual life. Yeah, and man. but anyway, that's something that I'll never forget. Oh, absolutely. Now you yeah. never forget that, and and just like you said, how cool was that message when you 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 get this goose, you get this opportunity, you make the shot, go out there, and, and you've got the trophy of a lifetime for folks that don't know, you know be it a leg band or a neck band or whatever. I mean, that's a true trophy in the waterfowl world. And then, like I said, to have that message, have faith. And then so just open your eyes in more ways than one. And um, what a what a blessing from God just to have that, see that, experience that. And that's pretty cool. I got one band, one banded greenhead is all I've ever killed. I got on my on my lanyard. It's a shot him over in Standing Rock Creek across the, across the, down the river there and that's the only band I've ever found. But that's a pretty cool deal to, to yeah, see I took that. grandkids. Uh, I got some grandkids that I took duck hunting this year. Took them separate times. Yep. And 
of Luck Havoc. They both killed a duck with a band on it. Good gracious. Man, you're the person to go with. I'm I guess, telling you what, yeah. I, this, four four bands was killed while I was duck hunting this year. Yeah. And I killed one of them, and the Terry Hammy's a guy I hunt with killed one, and my grandkids killed one each. I couldn't believe it. Yep. And I go for years and never see a band. That's right. And right. uh, it's very interesting to know where these bands come from. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Manitoba, Manitoba Canada, yeah. and in Upper Park, and they come down the Central Flyway, and I killed him in that bad weather we had. And I mm-hmm. told somebody, I said, that bad, cold, windy weather we had blew them ducks yep. to the our flyway yep. in Tennessee where I killed him. I said, that's probably what happened. That's right. That's right. It's been a pretty wild season. As far as just unique weather, early weather, late weather, and so pretty wild stuff. But Mr. Harold, tell me the story about how you met Mr. David and how you guys started. Well, calls. I, David and I started, when I started the business, I needed help. And I met David. I was a barber. Yep. And I met David. He come to get a to get, buy a turkey call one time from me. And, and at that time, what were the calls? You were making what kind of well, call? A tube time? call. A tube call, okay. Yeah. And uh, and then we'd met, I met this guy named Dave Harbor, who was contributing editor of Sportsfield Magazine. Okay. And uh, he, uh, David had one of the calls around his neck, and he saw David land between the legs and said, where did you get that call there? He told him, said, the man makes it in the woods. He'll be out here. Mm. I never did come out. I hunted. <laughs> I never did come out. But I did get to see Dave and gave him a call, and he killed one of three turkeys that year killing LBL. Mm. So he wrote this feature article in Sports Field Magazine, and it came out about a little before turkey season. And he told me in advance, said, now you're going to get a lot of telephone calls and letters. Yeah, I didn't. I couldn't comprehend getting thousands. Wow. So I got thousands of orders, which I wasn't prepared. So I asked David, would he help me? Mm. I said, we'll make enough money to go to Missouri Turkey. And that was our goal. Right your road trip off. Yeah. 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 And uh, anyway, uh, we surpassed that goal, thank God. Mm-hmm. But uh, David and I worked together in 1994. He quit farming, and I quit cutting her, and we went in full-time. Mm. And uh, the rest of the history. Yeah. And we had a lot of divine uh, that wasn't supposed to happen, I'll tell right. you that. Yeah. Things wasn't supposed to happen the way it did, but it did. Yeah. And we give uh, we give all the credit to God, I yeah. can tell you that. Yeah. And, you know, Dave and I worked together for 50 years, mm. 50 years now. And when you can work together with somebody 50 years yeah. and he's still your best friend, that's something. That means you picked the right man. Yeah. And the reason we got along so good and everything, we both, uh, we both believe we're believers yeah. and, uh, and we were givers. We, we believed in helping other people and stuff. And I think it all come back to us. Yeah. And, and I tell you what, we've had a good run. We really have, and yeah. David right now is struggling a little bit with Parkinson's. Yeah. But I guarantee, you, on his mind right today is how he's going to help somebody kill a turkey this spring. 
uh, and uh, and he will. He did last year. He drug around before I didn't think he'd be able to. By golly, he was out there doing it. Still after it. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. I like I said earlier. I I just remember back in high school and uh, watching those videos. What was it? The spring turkey videos were what was it called? Ultimate spring. Yeah. Ultimate spring and. I couldn't wait to, you know, you guys put out another VHS tape, you know, and, and run to Walmart, wherever, and, and get that tape. And it was just, you know, man, I watched that just with such fascination. And it motivated me to to want to learn to turkey hunt, want to learn to film hunts. And, and that was very instrumental in my career just, uh, you know, early on. It, it just helping me to dream big and, and to see things and, and want to do and pursue, uh, much like what you guys were doing. And, you know, and so, the two old dumb guys like we could do it that anybody could no no man uh, and but anyway we uh we have lots of people that contact us and thank us and say you the you started me turkey hunting yeah. you helped me kill my first turkey you don't even know it and that makes you feel good about it you know yeah. that we could help somebody uh maybe be a better hunter yeah absolutely. Uh, we, we don't have all the answers never have had them we don't claim to have them but we we have Got lots of experience on turkey hunting and uh, other hunting too, but sure, you know. sure. Well, you guys have done it right, and I, you know, like I said, we always enjoyed watching those. When did those video productions? How did that come about for you guys? I know you guys took off with the calls, and and you guys became a household name in the in the hunting industry as well, one of the pioneers in game calls. You know, and on a major level. When did you guys start doing the video production? Or what? How did that come about? Well, we started in 1984. Or full time, and it didn't take us long to figure out how to get ahead of a competition. Would be television. Yeah. We were very, very good at getting outdoor riders. Yeah. We had a lot of outdoor rider friends, and we thank them. I thank God every day for them. Yeah. They really helped us in business. We didn't have any money. Yeah. We didn't have enough. We didn't have the money to advertise like we should. The outdoor riders helped us tremendously. Yeah. But we wanted to get a different level, so we wanted to do television. So we started a production called Commonwealth Production. We started it. We bought the equipment. We hired the people. uh, And we hired Chuck Malone's out of uh, Mississippi. I'm sorry, Louisiana. And uh, then we hired some other people, local, that were knew uh, sound and knew how to edit and do things. And we started our television show, and we was one of the first ones to start a hunting show on the Outdoor Channel. Yeah. And then, of course, the other people fell in there, like Primos and some others. They seen the the value of it too. Right. And but anyway, it helped us. It just really, really helped us in sales, and our sales just skyrocketed when we did that. And then we had all this equipment and and we had the people that needed the know-how to film turkey hunts and deer hunts and we had would have an ultimate spring turkey and ultimate fall deer hunts right and we not only that we was filming for a television show elk hunts and things like that and we was going all over the united states to hunt and uh and it, it just fell right in place to do a spring and, and fall video hell yeah absolutely well like i said that was the that was the VHS, or you know, that was a tape that, that so many hunters look forward to every year, and it was uh, it was what kind of carried us through to the to the next season, you know, as far as watching those and and 
living vicariously through you guys and your adventures, and, and it's what we watched prior to the spring turkey season, get us pumped up and get us fired up for the upcoming time. And, and so those were good days. I, I sure enjoyed, uh, again, what I learned, the, the education, the entertainment, and um, just to help, you know, what you guys did to help equip so many guys, be it with calls and be it with the motivation through video production. So those were those were some good good times. I, I sure enjoyed sure enjoyed those. What would you say when you're looking back, deer, turkey, what was your favorite to to bow hunt those deer, turkeys in the spring? Is it is there a favorite among the two that you would uh you would lean towards? I know it's a tough, tough question. Well, it's not really a tough question. Yeah. I'd rather turkey hunt than all of it. Yeah. And uh and and I have killed lots of turkeys with the bow. I finally learned how to do that. Yeah. And to do that, you've got to hide better. Yeah. <laughs> Decoys helped so much yeah. uh, to get his eyes off you yeah. and uh, blinds and things like that. And it helped me on bow hunting for turkeys. Yeah. But I think that a, a wild turkey was designed to be shot with a shotgun. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something. I've getting to hunt all over the United States like I have. I find out that some geographical locations are wilder turkey than others. Absolutely. Uh, the wildest turkey I ever hunted was in Land Between the Lakes, and another one is in parts of Alabama. And uh, and you have wild turkeys that's wild everywhere. Tennessee's got some wild turkeys, and uh, but what makes a turkey wilder a lot of times? The eastern turkey seems to be more wilder than any of them. That's right. Uh, but uh, you take pressure on turkeys. You can take a real grand turkey or a, a Osceola or, or, or a Marin. Any of those turkeys are hard to hunt if you put pressure on them. I've always said if you shoot at a Jake and miss him, he'll act like a two or three-year-old the next time you try to call him up. And that's usually what happens, you know. When you put pressure on these turkeys, they see you and you mess up with them. They're going to be harder to call them and shoot. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I asked Michael Waddell, who's a friend of mine, I said, Michael, what's your favorite? He just bladed it right out. Turkey hunting is still his favorite, too, you know. And tur- oh, yeah. But I do like to elk hunt yeah. with a bow. Yeah. I got to elk hunt for 33 years mm. and I called him up. It's a lot like turkey hunting. That's right. Only he weighs seven eight hundred pounds, and uh, I've killed several with a bow in several different states, and with a gun also. I don't care if, if what kind of weapon I got. If that sucker is bugling, and if that turkey's gobbling, I like it. That's right. That's right. Just being there, and that's kind of my that's my thing too. I, I don't have any uh, ill feelings toward any weapon or whatever. I I just enjoy being right there in front of him, living it out, hearing him gobbling, coming on the way, and so. It's pretty good stuff. What about your? What about that craziest hunt, or maybe the wildest encounter you've had, or just like I said, maybe a near-death experience, train wreck of a hunt. One of those days. What was the? What was the craziest or wildest day you've had in Turkey Woods? If you think back, just one of those crazy well, stories. Anything come to mind as far as one of those days? I've had lots of good days, and I've had a lot of bad days. But one that comes to mind with me was Dave Harbor was coming back to do a, another story with Dave and I, and he we needed a dead turkey mm. before we got here for pictures. Yeah. And uh, the day was coming, I went turkey hunting in a land between the lakes, and I called this turkey up. I can hear him just like it's one of them hunts you never forget. Yeah. 
hear him drumming. Sound like somebody an old pickup truck out there going, vroom, yeah. vroom, you know. Yeah. But it, it wasn't harder that way. It was more like, yeah. and I could hear that. Yeah. I could hear that turkey coming to me. And uh, he got, I thought, in range, and I shot, and I didn't kill that turkey. Mm. I wounded that turkey. And that, oh, my, wounding one and not getting him in a time that I needed one so bad. Yeah. Oh, I was, son, I, that was the hardest walk back to the truck I ever had in my life. Mm. I got in that old pickup truck, and I was driving out, and, boy, my head was down. I was down. And a dead blame gobbler flew across the road and knocked my antenna off. <laughs> oh, no. And and I hadn't got home good out of LBL. I almost wrecked it by deer. And I, I looked to see if it was Friday the 13th. Thank yeah. God it wasn't. But anyway, that was a day I never forgot. I said everything in the world happened bad. Mm. Nothing good happened. Oh, but you look back. Good Lord, let me hunt that day. I, and I, I'll never forget it. It's one of them That's days right. you won't never forget. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's funny you say that because I, I had the same thing happen. Uh, it wasn't that bad a day, but I was over there hunting and coming out, and I'd gotten I'd gotten beat up by the turkeys again. And then, sure enough, I was trying to get out of there quick before work, head back to work and get there in time. And I was coming out on the other side over there, Tennessee side of LBL. And like I said, just boogieing out of there in my little Jeep Cherokee, coming around a curve, and there was a flock of turkeys just coming off the hill, and they were just all over across the road. So I kind of slowed down a little bit, and the ones went across the road, but there was an old hen standing up there on the hill up on the bank on the left side. Everybody else had scattered. I thought, okay, we're good. And I just kept on trucking through, and here she come, and she come across there and hit my mirror right there and kind of almost put my arm up, and that's about the only thing that kept her from coming in the window. She hit my mirror, broke the mirror off my Jeep, and then, Hit my arm and kind of kept on going. I looked back there and she was flopped around a minute. And then she got her feet under and took off. But those that happens more than people think. You know, you wouldn't think a roadkill turkey or whatever or just encounter with a vehicle. But that that seems to be a little more common than uh, than a lot of people realize. But that's something else. Well, man, let's do this as we start winding down. Tell me about the typical routine on a spring morning for you. What does that look like for Harold Knight? That that. Calling routine, what are you going to start off with the call? Where are you going to try to get? I know there's a million different variables that, that will determine a lot of those things, but your, your typical morning, are you waiting for a turkey to pop off? Are you going to make him gobble? What's a, what's a morning routine look like for you? You know, I've sat in bed a many a night for the next day thinking about it. I'd write my speech. Yeah. I'd have my speech wrote out what I was going to do. Yeah. By golly, I'd change it nearly every time. Every time. So, you, it's, you know, you just cannot. Uh, predict exactly what to do but you know on a typical spring morning in april the transition end would be in that early transition where the lots of hen calling lots of gobbling uh i'm thinking about what i'm going to do i'm going to hear that old turkey gobble i'm going to get as close to him as i can and that depends on the foliage how much foliage is out and uh, if the foliage is out where i can get i get a little closer you know without scaring him. And then I'm going to sit there, and when he flies down, I'm going to start calling to him pretty good. Yep. And uh, and hopeful I can get him coming to me uh, instead of that hen. Now, a lot of times, if he moves on me and not coming, I'm going to move with him. Not where he can see me, 
But he's thinking then that hen is still interested, you know, and stuff. Right. And I, I've moved a lot of times. Boy, I mean, it worked just like that. Yeah. So, it, you know, every time you turkey hunt, it's a different scenario. You know, it, it really is. It's different. Yeah. And But on a typical morning, I like to get him to gobble maybe with an owl call. And yep. he'll answer that owl call early in the morning. Yep. And, and he'll answer a crow call, too. And if I had one call to take with me to make a turkey gobble all day, it would be a crow call. Crow call. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You. And, you know, so many people, you don't, you, they, they don't get aggressive with that crow call. They, they, they'll blow it. And I've got a crow call somewhere I had here. Right here is one. Hand that to me yeah, here, little buddy. buddy. But anyway, a, a crow call just opened up for me there. It comes out of the package. I hope it's got a reed in it. Yeah. Yeah, just opened up for me. But anyway, a crow call is a good call to take with you and, and, learn, and work with your, uh, your calls, you know. Yeah. Work with your locator calls just like you do a uh, turkey call. But uh, this crow call, a lot of people will go like this. They'll go, <laughs> that's not, that ain't going to get it done. Right. You got to get aggressive. You got to go, <laughs> and that's what makes him gobble. And uh, and a crow call, a good crow call is a very good call to take away on locator call. Like it's, you said. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, like you said, all day long, you know. Those crows are popping off. You got so. Tennessee and Kentucky. Most of every state's got crows. That's right. Yeah, That's it really right. has. And let, let me let me say one thing about I take a lot of people turkey hunting. Yeah. And one of my pet peeves that I don't like, and I try to avoid this, and it's 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 very easy to do at the first of the season is shooting two turkeys at one shot. Oh. Yeah. I do not. I don't like that. When I have uh, people with me, I said, all right, they're in the first of the season, you'll obviously see three or four gobblers coming together, strutting together. It's nothing uncommon to see that. That's right. And I say, you wait till one of them gets to out to the side. He ain't going anywhere. Don't, we're not going to scare him. We're sitting here and, and make sure that you don't kill two at one shot. Yeah. And another thing, I, I give a good tip to some of these turkey hunters. There'd be two gobblers come up. I call one the strutter. You yep. know, he's doing all the strutting and gobbling, and the other one's a looker. He's always looked like he's fixing to run any time. Yep. That's the one you want to shoot. All right. Because that other one is going to gobble the next morning, the next day, and strut. Mm. And he, I guarantee he's going to gobble his head off the next day or two. Yeah. And you've got him gobbling. That other one might not gobble much. I so shoot the looker. Shoot that looker. Yeah. And I've done that a many times. Go back the next day with somebody else and that old gobbler boy, he he'd be lonesome as a Maytag repairman. He's ready to come <laughs> to you. That's good. Yeah. That's good. What's your favorite call? If you had one call to use, if you could if they said, Man, you only get one call, Mr. Harold, what's uh, what's the call you're gonna have with well, you if you could that, only have one? I I'd say a mouth call. Uh, you know, a mouth call, a little simple mouth call. This one might be stuck. I don't know, but just a mouth call. It's very versatile. You can do so many things with it. But I, now, listen, I'm not a one-call man. That's right. When I go to woods, most of the time I'm going to have a friction-type call. I'm going to have a tube call, 
I'm, I love a tube call. Yep. I mean, I just love one of them. Yep. And I'm going to have a mouth call. Yep. But just to learn to, on calling, so many people can get loud. Yeah. But you need to learn to blow a, a call that's real soft. Now, that don't mean you don't need to get loud at some time. Yeah. But learn to give that real little soft call. You know, just that little put, put, yep. put, put. Yep. Yep. And you and your your little your little push and pull calls is just deadly little calls. Yep. Get one that's real soft that just barely can make like here's one right here that I guarantee is gonna be real soft. That's and tough on a boy. That that that's a killer right there. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah, and learn to learn to use more than one kind of call. You know. Yeah. Uh, I see. You know, calling is some days I go. I think calling is a hundred percent of it. Yep. And some days it might not be zero yep. percent. Your old squirrel hunting woodmanship one day might be the ticket. That's right. And yep. uh, that's that's what I tell. And you know, every day you go, it could be different. That's right. And yep. I guess the reason I love turkey hunting the way I do, I have never figured it totally out. That's right. <laughs> He's humble. He humbles me every year. And he's going to this year. You bet. Yep. And and that's good. That's right. You can count on it. And uh, that's what I love about it. You've been doing it a long time, and you're still learning, and you're still figuring out. You're still getting your tail whipped, you know. And uh, like you said earlier, you're, you're, you've eliminated. You've learned a lot. And so you a lot of those mistakes you figured out, don't make that again this year for 2023. But every year we still get humbled by them. And that's why oh, we keep going back. Absolutely. It makes I, it so fun. Let me say one other thing. If you got time, yeah, uh, you know, fanning. This is a big thing that's come about in the last few years. Yeah, uh, have I do? Have I fan turkey? I absolutely have. Yep. It's a deadly way to kill them. You know, I I I don't recommend somebody take a fan where there's a lot of people hunting like LBL yeah. and things like that. But if you got a private farm, you know, or a place, I I want to out west. I want to uh, Kansas, uh, Nebraska. And my gosh, it's a piece of cake yeah. fanning them up. And, you know, you can fan them up here. Yeah. I mean, I fan them up, I fan them up every year. Yep. Yep. And, uh, but uh, that that's, you know, turkey hunting has changed so much in the last few years. Yeah. Your guns, much better. Oh, yeah. Your chokes, you've got TSS shot, yeah. your tungsten shot. Yep. This would be my sixth year to use that. And uh, it's a game changer. Absolutely. And uh, I use I used to shoot a twelve gauge all the time. I've yeah. gone to a twenty gauge, and I I've got a four ten that I hunt with some also. Yeah. And but I've got those little vortex optics on it. Red, little red dot. Little dot. Yeah. Yeah. Vortex is one I use because it it's just a super little uh, dot on there, yeah. and what it does. If you put your gun barrel up without a, a dot on it, at 50 yards, which is a chip shot for turkey hunting now, 
Really? Yeah. Where it used not be. That's right. And you put your gun up there, and that whole barrel is covering that good uh, turkey's head and neck. You can't see exactly where to shoot. That's right. But you can put that little dot right on his waddle. That's right. And you can, and you, you just got a better chance of killing him. That's right. And well, it's so good because you know. I first got onto it, you know, thinking for my kiddos. I could say, "Hey, man, just put the red dot on them." There you, know, you, you go. Tell, you tell people put the bead on their head, and I, I missed a That's lot of turkeys. Tough. You well, you you say put the bead on their head, and they said I had the bead on their head. That's right. And you can have the bead on that sucker's head, but if you ain't got your head down on that gun, then that bead is two foot over the top. When you put your head down where it's supposed to be, then you realize, man, I had the bead on it, but I had my head off the gun. I was you're, two feet over him. One hundred percent right. Yeah. And I tell you something else that I always do. I'm a firm believer. And shooting my gun, pattern it with a shell I plan on hunting with. Yeah, yeah. And do that because a lot of shells will go left, right, high, low. Yep. So know where that gun shoots. Don't wait till you mess a turkey up yep. to and go and check your gun. That's right. That's and, right. you know, these uh, TSS and tungsten shells, uh, APEC makes them, and just yep. all these companies make them now, yep. they are, they're expensive. But just like I had a neighbor last year said, I ain't giving no eight or nine, ten dollars for a shell. He come back and he was dragging. He said, Man, I messed a turkey up. I said, You'd give ten dollars for them shells this morning when you right. said, Oh, I'd give fifty. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, so true. You yeah. know, it's not you're not dove hunting. That's right. You know, you 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 buy your box of shells and. Uh, you go out there, and that don't mean the other shells don't kill turkey. My gosh, you long beard Winchester and yep. shells. Every shell company makes a good shell, yep. other than than tungsten. But That's right. the tungsten is a game changer. It is. It's so efficient. We've been shooting Apex the last several years, and and love it. And it has allowed us. I'm like you. You know, I always towed it a 12 gauge. And I remember the day when they said, "All right, 12 gauge shotguns, your standard turkey gun." You get him, you know, forty yard range is what you want to do, and get him at forty or less. And, and now, you know, I've got a little twenty gauge, you know, he's been using, and and, and with the Apex ammunition, the TSS, and then this last year, everything we shot was with the four ten, you know. And I mean, I've shot, so we've shot several birds now, forty yards with the four ten, dropped them just oh, stone I, cold, you I, know. It's yeah. crazy. And uh, I've done the same thing, and it, it amazes me. How good to shoot, but you got to remember, I'm I shoot number nine shot in yep. that in that tungsten. Yep. yep. A number nine shot is the same weight as a number five in lead. Yep. So you remember that you got so many more shot coming out. Heavy. And and yep. I pattern guns a lot, and one of the best patterns I've ever patterned in a shotgun, uh, I shoot twenty, four, ten, and twelve was a 12-gauge, two-and-three-quarter inch, and that mm. tungsten mm. was the best pattern I ever shot. Yeah, wow. And, and and I don't shoot a 12 much anymore at all. Yeah. But, man, alive, that thing is a, just an awesome pattern. Yeah. Pattern. Well, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing because, you know, you, you get to take that 20-gauge or 410, and, and, you know, we're manly guys, but still, it's nice to have something on your back of your shoulder that's, you know, lightweight little 20-gauge or 410 and, and hunt all day and not even think it's on your back, you know. Yeah. So, that's and a pretty cool deal. You, you know, look at the changes just in the last few years. Yeah. you got cameras yeah. that you can take inventory with your turkeys with. That's right. you got a gun that's got chokes that knocks the kick out a lot. you got the gas-operated gun and the choke. You know, that knocks a lot of your kick out. Yep. 
and you're shooting a lighter load gun, yep. a 20 gauge or 410. Yep. And, uh, but you take, you've got your tungsten shells, you got good shotgun, you got turkey blinds, you got turkey decoys to sit out there. Man alive, how things has changed. Yeah, yeah, and in short, pretty short order too. You know, yeah, I mean, think it, about right. it. Pretty quick time we went from, you know, I remember the old trail cameras back in the day when I first started getting into it. It had the string, you know, a little t- trail timer. It had a string, and the deer would walk across and pull the string out, and that would stop the clock on the trail timer. So that's how you knew a deer came by when he ran across the string and pulled the clock. You know, made the clock stop. That was yeah. kind of the old. You know, intel at those days, and then here we go with trail cameras. Yeah, and I talked. I talked to Dan Moultrie. Who, Moultrie, yeah. I, Dan and I are friends, and I've talked to him a lot about the first days, yep. how they did it, and everything. That's pretty interesting, you know. Oh, it's but crazy. Just look how the technology changed on calls. Are you calls now? Mm-hmm. Oh, you got you got better mouth calls. You got yep. better uh, glass uh, crystal calls. They're much better. You got just a lot more people making them, and you and it it's just a lot better calls now than it was when I first started. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's pretty wild stuff. Yeah. Let's hear some of those calls you got out there. Where's what about that tube? When I think about you back to the day, I think about <laughs> that tube call for for both goose uh, and turkey. And uh, you what did you win? You won a the you won the goose calling back in the day. Yeah. With that old tube call. Yeah, I did, and I'll. I'll demonstrate that thing for you here if i can find it again i, I had it while ago Let's see if his tube calls over there rimbo i don't know if we we'll find it here yeah it's fine second. let's talk you got a turkey one yeah, right i got there. a turkey Let's here that turkey call i'm gonna have to move my mic just yeah to yeah back at where you need it That's a little tube call. I use that call a lot. Sometimes the pitch of that call, it's just what they want. Yeah. And, and, you know, learn to master more than one call. And I tell you what, you're going to be surprised what that'll do. Absolutely. Yeah. And well, like you now, said earlier, don't just have one one call in your bag of tricks because, I mean, yeah. it, that, that day may not be happening with that call. And so you better have something else in the, in the you know, tool bag. That's exactly right. I, I take – it's amazing to me, the first day of turkey scene – I've got a lot more stuff to do the last day. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, you all fired up and you just say, I don't want to leave that call at home. I'm going to take that in two. Yeah. Last day, I won't have a two or three calls. Right. Yeah. And a lot less uh, clothes on, too. You know, That's the, right. When, the, when our turkey season comes in Tennessee and Kentucky here, most of the time the weather's pretty cool. Yeah. And then it, in the season, it's real hot. But here, here's a goose call here. This goose call right here, I still use this goose call a lot hunting. Uh, it's it's just a realistic uh, call. I think it's one of the realistic sound uh, it is out there. It's one of the most realistic, and it's one of the world a uh, realistic sound call for four or five years. Yeah. Let me move this mic right here just a second. There you go. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> 
So when you won, when did you win that that goose call? Was that the world or what was it? Yeah, it's the world in Eastern Maryland. Yeah, and uh, that was uh, a long time ago in 1979. But you I were blowing was, that style call. Yeah, I was then. blowing that call. What I, was everybody else blowing? Were they Reed, blowing those, they, or they were uh, Reed called? Reed called. Yeah. I made the very first one of them made yeah. commercially, I guarantee you. Yeah. And I took it up there, and nobody, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, they told me, said, I'm telling you, this guy that's won it three years in a row going to be hard to beat. I was yeah. talking to the other hundred. I yeah. didn't tell them what I had. That's right. And I just had just won it hands down with that call. Yeah. And since then, I showed a young man how to blow it, and he's won it three or four times. Mm. I went up the next year to to call again. He beat me like a drum. Yeah, the one I just talked. You how just talked. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's that's good. Yeah, but that's uh, good, man. anyway, uh, that's some of the calls that we began on. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it just you know I love to blow calls. Yeah, and different type calls. That's right. That's and, right. Uh, well, and that I, little that little push pull that little push pull call is hard to beat for just a sweet, soft, subtle sound. Well, it's, um, it's, it's just, you, you it's just a you, beautiful it, sound. It's a turkey sound that mm-hmm. they want to hear. That's right. That's what you need to learn. A lot of times, he might you get that cutting sound of a mouth call. I do a lot. He wants to hear that. But most of the time, every time, he wants to hear that little really soft sound like. Yep. Yep. That's right. That's her just over there, just easing along and doing yep. her thing. You that's, you won't hear it way out there, but you hear it close. And he, uh, he'll he hear it. it. That's right. Now, buddy, let me tell you something. It's amazing to me how far they can hear that sound yep. and how they can pinpoint it. Yep. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. But, that's good stuff. Very good stuff. Well, Mr. Harold, I, I want to wrap this thing up. But tell me, tell me as far as one of these days when our time comes and we go on to meet the Lord face to face, tell me about what the legacy you hope you leave behind. What do you want folks to remember you and, and, and what you did and, and your time here. It's been well spent, I know, and you've done a, an incredible job. I know you've been down to our game dinner down there at the church in Paris and, and spoke at that, and I've always appreciated your testimony and just your story and your faith in the Lord, but how do you want folks to remember well, you? Well, I'd, I'd want them to think that uh, – let me tell you this. Like the other day, I uh, talking to a man. He said, I invited somebody to church, Yeah, and I said – what did he say? He said, he said, well, said old so and so said, I know he's the biggest hypocrite in the world. Mm. He got talking about somebody else at church. I said, what'd you say to him? He said, I told him I'd rather go to church with a man than go to hell with him. Mm. So mm. anyway, I hope I can, I can leave teach that I've taught people yeah. to turkey hunt to hunt the right way, yeah. and 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 uh, and. I hope that I could help them with the faith a little bit. I, I've got faith that I'm I, somebody. I, I believe the Bible one hundred percent. That's right. And uh, and you know I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We all are. That's we right. We all sinners. Yep. And but we got one thing we can get forgiven. Our right. Lord Jesus Christ can forgive us for our sin. That's right. And and I just wish people, you know, to think about their faith. Yeah. And where they at. Right now in their faith, and it's never too late. That's right. That's right, man. That's a good word. It's never too late, and um, and it's it, man. We get so caught up in all this stuff, and it's we we love it. I mean, it is. Um, you know, I know old moss yoga. It's not a passion; it's an obsession, and it's tough to keep it in perspective a lot of times, and let not you know let our focus get off where they need to be, and and 
uh, get so caught up in the hunt because we oh, love, we're can. passionate about it. I tell you what, you get caught up in your hunts, you get caught up with life. Yep. Uh, just like you brought these two young men with you today. Mm-hmm. One of the things I would really hate to do, hate to do, I'd hate to do it, I'm not going to do it, is disappoint somebody, one of them, yeah. with my actions. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I, and that might be uh, uh, cussing or, or drinking or whatever. Yep. I, I, I'd really, really hate for one of them to think that. That they saw me do that. Yeah, I was going to say, because they're watching. And don't get me wrong. I'm a sinner. That's right. I can't help it. That's right. That's right. We we are that. Um, yeah. But like you said, we're an example. You know, people are watching you. They've been watching you for a long time, and they're watching us. And so we've got to remember that to be those ambassadors and, and just to be pointing people in the right direction. That's and right. So that's good, man. Well, listen, now we're going to shut this one down, but I want to pray for you as we finish up here. And I just pray for you this season. Pray for uh, Mr. David. And uh, I, I know his health that. is continuing to – um, you know, he's just, like you said, he's had some health issues. And, and so, uh, let me just pray for y'all. And, uh, as we go into another spring Turkey season, Lord, I thank you so much for the time with Mr. Harold today and just to be with him. And, uh, my gosh, I've, I've watched him and followed him for so many years and looked up to him. He's one of my hunting heroes and I thank you for him. Uh, but God, do I do just pray for him this spring as we go into another season. I thank you for his testimony and the fact that he loves you. He's living his life for you and he's pointing other people to you. I pray you bless him with, the. Just another great season with family and friends and, and bless him with good health. Uh, we pray for Mr. David. God, I know he's been struggling for a number of years now with his health, and I just pray you uh, give him some good days and, and help him to continue to point people to you as well. And, God, if it be your in your plans, I pray you give him that opportunity to be back out there again this spring and, and uh, just to chase him one more time. God, we do thank you for the gobbler that you have created. And Lord, we know that you love the sounds of a turkey too because you designed him, you built him, you created him to gobble, strut, spit, and drum. And we thank you for that. We bless you and give you all the glory for our lives and what we're allowed to do. And again, thank you for this time today with Mr. Harold. We love you, Lord. Look forward to another spring. Amen. Amen. Well, man, it's been good. I thank you so much for your time and just for a chance for my boys to sit in and hear uh, from you and, and uh, just to Tell the stories one more time, and uh, we'll have to do it again before too long. Well, I I really enjoyed uh, talking to people like you. I want you to know that. I appreciate and, it. <clears throat> and uh, I hope that people listen to this. I hope I can tell them something to help them kill a turkey. That's right. Or um, find Jesus Christ. That's right, man. That's about as good as it gets, man. That's two good things, yeah. two big things. And so ultimate pursuit's right there. All right, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you. God bless you. Listen, if you haven't done so already, be sure to check us out on social media. Hunting Roots is where you'll find us, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Also, be sure to check out our website, huntingroots.com. There you can find all kinds of merch from shirts, hoodies, caps. Good stuff is there, so be sure to check those things out. Help support the calls, the programs, the camps, the things we do using hunting and outdoors to impact the lives of others for all eternity. Good stuff there, huntingroots.com. Find us there. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to go to iTunes. Click on there and leave us a rating. Write us a review. Help us spread the word. Tell your friends, your family about the Hunting Roots podcast. Hey, listen, we look forward to seeing you right back here next week. I can't thank you enough for following along on our journey. Continue to spread the word. Tell the story. Shoot straight. God bless. (music) 